Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 45. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce my special guest, Roger Allard. Roger, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Pedal to the metal. All right. I like that. Roger Allard is president and CEO of Allard Motor Works in Montreal, Canada, and is part of an automobile company that brings their motoring history forward from the 30s and 40s, when the iconic Allard J2X made its mark in motor racing history. Founded in 1936 by Sidney Allard, the company produced some 1,900 automobiles, and Allards were raced at Le Mans, Monte Carlo, Watkins Glen, Silverstone, Pebble Beach, and Goodwood, as well as countless other racetracks throughout Europe and North America. Today, thanks to Roger and his team, you can own a modern version of this legendary British motor car. Their motto, rarely seen, never forgotten, is a testament to the unique and exciting nature of this amazing Allard. So Roger, I've told the listeners just a little bit about you. Please take some time and share a little bit more about your history, your business, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Oh, Mark, my passion for automobiles dates back to, uh, I guess, in grade school. I and my mother, uh, in, uh, you, you eventually get to a stage where um, you have to clean the house, and my mother was throwing out some of my uh, grade school books and, and uh, you know, exercise books. And uh, I noticed uh, throughout the whole margins all around, I had all these cars, motorcycles and stuff, was, you know, scribbled on the, the edges of my pages. And so it, it, date, it dates back quite a ways. Um, I got my start in um, motor uh, racing with um, build, by building a, a speedboat. And I was... Um, area champion for about four or five years uh, with a speedboat. And then I graduated to, uh, I had a couple of experiences with a stock car, which uh, was short-lived because I didn't have the money to continue. And um, eventually I decided that it was time to uh, get myself a sports car. And uh, when I went through university, I was working as a, in the summer as a hard rock miner and uh, making substantially good money. But uh, it paid for my university, my tuition, my room and board, and it could have bought a car, a sports car, except I couldn't pay for the insurance. So I got into motorcycles for many years, both the highway and I also did some trial, enduros, some motocross. And uh, always uh, frustrated by not being able to uh, get my final sports car. It wasn't until I was, what, 50 years old and uh, decided to uh, take a little jaunt to England and I was going to treat myself and finally get my sports car. I've always had a... Uh, an earning for the uh, the Austin Haley's. I just love the sounds of the Austin Haley's and the look of them and that sort of thing. So I was looking for uh, an Austin Haley to 
little car shelves throughout England. And um, lo and behold, I came out of a car show just at the exit. There were um, a vendor there with um, all sorts of books. And I don't normally spend much time in those sections when I go see go to car shows. And uh, I came across this one book which said uh, Austin Healy, a restoration, a restoration Guide. And I thought, the reputation that English cars have, I probably need one of these books. <laughs> so I reached down, and the books were, of course, were all standing on end, and in alphabetical order. Next to it, there was another book that said Allard, The Inside Story. And I thought, that's my family name. And I have to say that I never knew what an Allard was until that very day, despite the fact that my family name was on this car. Wow. So... um I picked up the book and I uh, found out later that this book had been out of print for about 15 years, uh, which was a very strange coincidence um, that I locked in on this book. So I bought the book for two and a half pounds. On the front cover, there was a photograph of the, the Allard J2X. This book was written, by the way, by Tom Lush, and it is sort of the Bible of the Allard uh, Motor Company in England. And it goes through all of the different models and periods, a lot of anecdotal stuff, and uh, very fascinating. So uh, I had four days left before I had to come back to, uh, to home base in Montreal. So I thought, I've got to see one. This is the birthplace of this weird card called an Allard. You know, <laughs> I've got to see one in, in the flesh. So I went out to the largest uh, museum in, uh, in England, the west of England, which is Bewley. I arrived there, and at the entrance, there were um, each mark that was on display was uh, had a, bra a brass plate at the entrance of the door. There were no Allards. Right. I've got to find one. And so there was a crusty old gardener there raking away and said, I bet you he knows what an Allard is and he knows where I can find one. I asked him the question and he said, lo and behold, he says, two weeks ago, we brought in two Allards, a J2X and the Allard Dragon. I thought, wow, am I in luck here? And so I felt the planets were kind of lining up here for me. The Allard Dragon, for people don't know, is the uh, uh, Sydney Allard was the father of um, drag racing in the UK, and uh, he started that in the in the uh, in the late uh, early 60s and brought in all sorts of people from California, you know, Garlitz and, and company, to uh, put on some exhibitions and start that movement in England. So lo and behold, I go into this uh, into the Bewley Museum to see this uh, Allard J2X and. Um, Another coincidence, uh, was parked right beside this this uh, exhibit, was the um, an Austin Healey 100S. Oh wow! And so I thought, whoa, the planets are really lining up here. This this is this is going to be a difficult one to do. So basically, came back to Montreal, got on the internet, and started researching this whole thing. I contacted people in the uh, the Allard Owners Club, a number of people like that, and I started getting more and more information on it. I thought, well. You know, this is it's unfortunate that this vehicle, particularly the, the J2X, which is my favorite model, it just is nowhere to be seen. There, um, there were 83 made, originals made, and um, between the years 1951 and 1954. <clears throat> the more I dug into it, well, lo and behold, uh, you know, the, this was Carroll Shelby's first race car, this uh, Mason Gregory's first race car, uh, the uh, Sydney Allard, of course, and the J-Series, which the J-Series and the K-Series for your listeners are the competition versions of, of whatever Allard was making that, uh, you know, during his career. Sure. Of course, in the J-2, uh, Sydney Allard placed uh, third in the 24 hours of Le Mans with Tom Cole as his co-driver. 
if you ever had to see an hour and see how crude and rough these cars, these, these originals are, you'd, you'd be amazed to know that the average speed for uh, uh, Sydney Allard's third place win was 98.7 miles an hour for 24 hours. I mean, that's phenomenal when you're exposed oh, to the wow. wind with these tiny little Brooklyn's windshields and, and a, a bench seat that you can't uh, adjust, uh, your firewall's under your chin, and uh, not the least of which, Sidney Allard was a tall guy. He was in the, you know, the six foot one or two. So uh, it, uh, these, were, these were really phenomenal feats. Uh, oh, yeah. Not only those days, but uh, today as well. So, and, of course, they were running with, um, uh, with uh, um, you know, just drum brakes and, and uh, very crude and rough uh, you know, equipment. Yeah, and uh, as I guess that's where the uh, the G2X got the moniker of uh, the Blacksmith's Revenge, because <laughs> it was basically cobbled. So Sidney Allard was basically the you know one of the first hot rodders of the era. Like you had mentioned earlier, he made cars from you know basically post-war right through '56, and then he got into the drag racing and that sort of thing. So coming back to Montreal, I decided like you know. Because I, I wasn't in the automotive industry prior to that. I was on the uh, basically as a communication specialist. I traveled the world um, uh, helping people out with uh, various crisis and issue management, uh, employer relations and shareholder relations and that sort of thing. But one of the things that was consistent through my career is uh, the marketing side. So I looked at this from that perspective and I saw that the... Uh, just at the time when I was in England, there was a, um, you know, the the retro movement was coming back. And mm-hmm. um, the, re- the reintroduction of the, the Beetle, the Thunderbird, the 240Z, the Indian Motorcycle. And I guess at that time, people were just tired of seeing these little gray boxes going around that were, looked like pablum, really. They just, um, <laughs> they all started to look the same. And they were even copying their own uh, signature emblems on there. I still remember the Chrysler products mimicking uh, their Chrysler signature on the trunk with something that looked very, very close to the Mercedes one, the Audi one, and that sort of thing. So I I felt that there was a market for people who wanted something different, something that really spoke to, you know, the the DNA we many of us have for the the, the sport automobile and that sort of thing. So I thought, maybe there's a business case to be made here. Lo and behold, uh, there was also a guy in California um, who was making a, uh, a kit car. He was the only one in the world making a kit car of the Allard um, J2X. I went down to see him just out of curiosity because I had a, excuse, a keynote speaker at an international conference in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles, so it wasn't too far down the road for me to just rent a car and go down and see this, uh, this fellow. And basically, he, was, he had been producing the J2X I think two versions of the Cobra and the Mercedes, the SK100 and Porsches and whatever. But he was the end of his career. He was, wasn't too well. And so um, basically I, I, I pondered this over for months and months and months. And finally I thought, well, you know, the, I, I think, still think the case can be made for the, uh, the marketability, if you want, of the other G2X. So I basically bought out his molds and jigs for that and uh, had some professional people match them against the original. And they were quite accurate. Actually, they were a little bit better than the originals in terms of the body shape because the original bodies are, are not all that straight. They're uh, also, as you know, they're 
the originals are mechanically challenged. I decided that, you know, there was a case to be made here if it was done right. But I wasn't going to get into the kit car uh, game and wanted something that was more reliable, safer, and uh, more upscale. So then I uh, got some engineers to work, and um, basically we decided to go from ground up and uh, make a complete uh, tubular chassis, heavily triangulated, um, lightweight, basically build the car from the ground up. What was important in all of this, of course, is to, uh, from a marketing perspective, and it was to get the uh, sort of an authentication from the Allard Register. And the Allard Register is separate from the Allard family. Very distinct entities. And the, the Allard Register, like all other registers, keeps records of all of the automobiles built by the, uh, the Mark. <clears throat> so having authenticated my new version, which is the Mark II, because a lot of the elders and the people in the Allard Owners Club were checking over the car and that sort of thing. So that had a great influence on the acceptability of our, the J2X Mark II in the register. So now our vehicles um, get the serial number, that, uh, special serial numbers that continue from the end of production that are, um, that are featured on the firewall of the engine compartment. Uh, the brass plate, the same brass plate all the, the originals have. And uh, so that became the foundation for basically what I would call a, a marketing experience uh, uh, positioning uh, with the car because uh, it brought back that visceral response to an automobile that uh, the new cars didn't have. And uh, it was unique. And uh, as such, I'm, I am the only producer of the, the Allard continuation of uh, the J2X, which we call the J2X Mark II. So that's that's the the long that's the long story towards where I am now. Well, quite an understatement as a marketing experience to uh, to take that undertaking, and I really appreciate you sharing an incredibly inspirational story in the sense that you were passionate about sports cars since you were a child, but it wasn't until you were fifty that you went out and seeked one, and you ended up rebuilding one from from the past. So. What an incredible story. That's really fantastic. Appreciate you sharing that with us. As we continue on your journey, I'd like to start with a success quote, something that has been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Roger, take the wheel. I I think I could summarize my inspirational quote as um, basically that you can't be everything to all people. This is so true, and it will probably ring very uh, well with uh, your audience because uh, in the car people, you know, um, you get people who come up to our car and say, well, you know, how fast will it go? How many horsepower do you have? Um, Well, my answer to that is essentially how fast do you want to go? (laughs) How fast can you handle? Because, uh, and, and, you know, to the question, which I'm sure you've had yourself, is that, you know, of all the cars you had, if you had to pick one, what would it be? Well, that's a difficult question because yep. there's, there's context to everything. If you have three kids, you don't want a two-seater. You know, if, you, if you're a golfer, you want something with a trunk that, has, that can, you, know, you can go golfing with. So I've spoken over the years to many people who are building recreations or doing this sort of thing or, or starting from a blank sheet of paper. And... They want everything from soup to nuts in a car. 
And that isn't fair to them in terms of a business model because it's it's just un, it's, it's something you can't you can't achieve. And the other thing is that you you confuse your customer. So it's very important to focus on really what you want to achieve and what you're going to offer. We get requests for you know at the moment uh, we have at the moment we have what 16 cars that are out there licensed and running around from Shanghai to London and. Uh, you know, Texas to um, you know to Canada. The question of of horsepower often comes up. Right now, we've developed de- delivered from 350 horsepower to 640. Now that's a huge range of horsepower. Oh yeah. Interestingly enough, the people who have the 640 horsepower, or the 556, we just delivered a a new Cadillac LSA. That's a CTSV. Comes in at 556 horsepower. They're not used. They're not used to their capacity, to their optimum capacity. So in the category of customers that you're targeting, you have people who want uh, reliability. Others want reliability and safety. Others want just the looks. We have people who are are dealing with some people now who want the car not necessarily to drive, but to park in front of their home. We have some that uh, just want the bragging rights of uh, having either the lowest serial number or they want the the highest horsepower or whatever. It's important for, in our case, the the manufacturer to really understand and listen to what the customer is saying. And I spend a fair bit of time with all of my customers to really get down to the nub of what they really want. You know, sometimes I get customers who have driven and raced Allards, but now they have, you know, they have a titanium knee, they have arthritis, they have a an elderly spouse uh, who's, uh, who likes a little more protection from the wind and the elements. So you have to get down to the nut because ultimately what my goal is is to, I want a happy customer. Uh, that's, that's, my, that's my end point. So I want a happy customer. I'm revisiting all the time and listening to not only the customer but also the general marketplace because a lot of what drives the sales is the... Um, the endorsement by each individual's network. You know, somebody says, well, I want a Cadillac engine, or I want a Hemi engine type of thing, which is consistent with what I'm offering and what they had in the past in those, those particular cars on the track. They want it for different reasons. I tend to be personally um, sort of, I have a, a leaning towards the, uh, the Hemi because my dad, when I was a kid in grade school and high school, my dad always had Chrysler products and uh, the Hemi just seemed to be something like it had such an aura around it that I haven't been able to, to shake that. Now, we've just delivered a, a spanking new um, Cadillac, the LSA, which is California compliant for emissions and that sort of thing, 556 horsepower, supercharged, and that's fabulous motor. It goes like stink. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people will come along and say, and erroneously, that, if it's an Allard, uh, you know, competition roadster, it has to have a Cadillac, you know, engine in it. Well, that's not quite true because the, uh, a lot of the J series, the J2s, the J2Xs, the K series, they they had a mixture of they always they always had uh, American V8s. That's the the Allard uh, competition signature. But uh, in the case of the Allard J2X, uh, of which there are only 83 made. Most of them were shipped out without an engine and without even any paint because as a competition roadster, people took off the shelf the, the flavor of the week. 
whatever ran fastest that week, that's what went in. Those that basically made the legend were the Cadillac 331 and the Hemi 331. There are some very successful uh, Buicks, Oldsmobiles, and Offenhausers. So some people come in with the, you know, the fixed idea that it has to be a, a Cadillac engine. Um, and so you go with it. I mean, if the guy really wants a Cadillac engine, you put a Cadillac engine. Basically, you know, I come back to, you know, trying to make it, trying to be everything to all people. There is a limit, a practical limit and a financial limit as to what you can do. I mean, our cars basically are, are based on a chassis that will provide, you know, good road handling. It will provide uh, a lot of safety uh, and reliability. And so um, it's, that's my basis. And then, of course, the body itself cannot deviate significantly from what uh, the Allard Register will recognize and authenticate. So it, it looks the same. We have a, a couple of, um, of uh, exceptions to that in that I've asked the permission to the, uh, the register to uh, extend my cockpit a little bit, about four or five inches, and remove that bench seat that was up there, which was only sitting about six feet inches below the top of the door, uh, because it was just uncomfortable. It just was, uh, was difficult to handle, just not comfortable. So by doing that, I was able to put in two bucket seats and uh, you can't even touch the firewall. Um, if you stretch your, your leg out, it's difficult to, to touch the firewall. So that resolved the comfort part of the car. The second thing that I've asked for is uh, to put a trunk in the car. The originals never had trunks. That big, fat-ass rear end was either a large fuel tank or it had basically a small panel that, with four dudes fasteners that you could uh, easily make a change on your uh, Halibrand, you know, quick change gear. So you drove yourself to the track, you put in the proper gear, uh, gears in there, and then reversed it when you went home. So now we have a full set, of, a full trunk. You can put uh, you know, some some suitcases in there. You can put two sets of golf clubs. So you can see where I was taking all of this to a drivable, safe car that's reliable. But if it's going to be a driver, it's um, unlike the originals, which are not really drivers, they're, they're competition cars and they overheat and they're not comfortable. This one here, you can take out for two or three weeks, go on a holiday, stop in at your, uh, you know, good wrench dealer and change your oil and be on your way. So it's making small incremental changes, which for some is, are major, but, but keeping it within those bounds because uh, if you're customizing everything, I have people who want all sorts of things add-ons and this and that and the other, and we're being very careful about how we do that. We have some some requests now for um, air conditioning and a heater. Well, heater might be really necessary for a lot of areas of geographic areas in North America and Europe. And then I was, at the beginning, I used to guffaw at the, the fact that people wanted an air conditioner and an open cockpit roadster. However, there are people in the in Arizona and Texas and a few other places that uh, like a little bit of relief from the heat. And so this brought me to another revolution, which is in progress at this moment, is the design and development of a very lightweight removable heart dot. That will that will satisfy those who don't want to uh, to burn the, the roast in the, under the hot sun of uh, the Arizona desert. 
and uh, also uh, provide some protection for people who go off for two, three weeks at a time and want some protection from the wind and the rain and whatever and provide a certain measure of security when you're parked at a motel at night. You can close up and lock up your car and uh, be sure that it'll be there uh, the next morning. So these are all things that I, I get back to try not to be everything to all people is that I try to restrict myself to what the market uh, is asking me. I take it in a, a broad term in the sense I don't, I don't uh, comply to everyone, every individual's request, but if I see a trend, for instance, the top is a very strong uh, trend that I see now. I have a lot of pent-up orders uh, from people who really love the car, but uh, for all sorts of reasons, would like to have some enclosure. That's removable, but uh, some kind of enclosure because if they'd like to go out for a week or two drive or whatever, they have some kind of protection. So I think that's that's the key, not only to the stylist part of me, but also to the business side of me, is that if somebody wants something really weird uh, that's not off the shelf and has to be customized, well, we'll have to do that offline uh, or send it to someone who specializes in that because we can't gear up and set up and get the experience behind certain new things that uh, if it only happens you know, once in a once in a, in a while. You know? Sure, sure. Well, that was uh, probably the, the longest reply I've heard to a success quote, <laughs> but I do appreciate how you explained all that because you're selling such a unique product to such a unique individual yet you're working on ways to make it compliable to not only the Department of Regulations of many governments so that you can actually produce a car that can be sold in these countries, but also to the customer and their wishes. So that was wonderful. I appreciate you sharing all that. Would you tell us, Roger, a story that instigated your passion for cars, that that moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? (laughs) (laughs) Boy, what? Well, we start as I mentioned before. I started in uh, hydroplanes, and uh, some of my buddies um, got into, uh, I guess, the beginnings very crude go karts, and uh, we started playing around, actually on the, on the streets of the town where I lived in, uh, with go karts, and much to the disarray of everybody who's uh, liked a little quiet and serenity in the in the neighborhood, it it sort of grew from there, and I, I've always looked to you know, to something that particularly had four wheels. And my older sister, when she bought her first car, she uh, she wanted a sports car. So I was I was the, the, the happy volunteer to go out and test drive them because she knew nothing about cars. And uh, one of the cars that I did test was an MGA, which was used MGA. And uh, it had uh, a few good miles underneath its belt. And I took it out for a ride. And I remember experiencing my first drift with that car <laughs> as I took it around at speed on the corner with my sister screaming away, asking me to slow down. And I guess that, that is a pivotal moment when I thought, hey, this is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and I want to do this. Uh, I came back home with the car and I started smelling a little burnt wood. As it turned out, the exhaust was too close to the plywood floor of the NGA. And um, so we decided to pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great story. And I'll tell you, my roots go back to an MGA. When I was one year old, my father was uh, loaned an MGA by a friend of his for a weekend. I've got a picture sitting in my mom's lap, sitting in a white MGA 
in uh, back in 1958. And uh, so I've got some history with that car as well. That's a great story. Yeah. Roger, yeah. what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share with our listeners a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced with your career, your business, that really pushed you to a breaking point? More importantly, share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. But first, I wanted to remind our listeners, you can go to carsyad.com slash Roger Allard and pull up Roger's show notes to this page and find links to all the great things he shared with us. This is the end of part one of Roger's interview. Be sure to go to carsyad.com and listen to part two and find out how Roger overcame insurmountable odds and almost lost his business, but he rolled up his sleeves and brought the Allard Motor Car Company back to life. It's an amazing story at carsyad.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyad.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.